Hi, Lauren. Hi, Sam. Are you ready to talk about the orphanage? I am, because after all, we, we are, are the, the watchers, watchers of, of movies. This was the last episode of, of Spooktober. Spooktober. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't on purpose, but I like that I wasn't alone. No, you were not alone. <laughs> but it's going to come out on the 1st of November. But you know what? It's so close to the 31st. It's almost like it's still the 31st. And if you have the Halloween spirit within you like we do, it will always be Halloween in your heart. So yeah. <laughs> if people in California or Texas or Montana or Arizona or Chicago <laughs> listen yeah. to it, it's still... The 31st. Technically, it's still coming out on the 31st. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Just Eastern time is not when it will come out. <laughs> right? On the 31st. Right. 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 Mm -hmm. Let's keep talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> we we're just talking about how we like forget what we have recorded or what like movies we've reviewed. Reviewed. And what I was saying or what I was going to say to you was it seemed like in the beginning it was like really hard to like, I'm like, oh man, I have to watch a movie and then I have to record every week. But now it's like so easy that it's just like this ongoing flow of like, oh, okay. Like, and then this is what I have to do. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> but it's also, I think it also has a tendency just to kind of like melt into one, you know? And like what I was saying is I was like trying to remember what we did um, before we did 28 Days Later. And I was like, what did we do? <laughs> what did we do? Yeah. And that was that's weird because I was having the exact same dilemma earlier yeah. this week. And I was like, I know we've done at least four other movies for Spooktober. <laughs> right. What were they? Yeah. So yeah, time just keeps going and it does. Things blend and it is it is a lot of work. Like I don't want right. to cheapen what we do. We do put a lot into it, but it's also like fun. We're not know? like well, and the thing is that we would be doing this anyway. So it's like we might as well, you know, I don't know. <laughs> like, I mean we've had we've had the equivalent of podcast discussions about movies since we've started being friends. Exactly. So yeah, one time we were talking about uh Star Trek. What was it? Star Trek into darkness. We were like y'all agreeing at each other. We were having like a weird agreement fight. <laughs> we were like, yeah. it's the most ridiculous thing ever. I know. That's a great point. <laughs> so. You are so right about that. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so you know, we, I mean, this is just, it's just a little bit more structured, you know, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. So Lauren, do you have any scary stories? Do I have any scary stories? Yeah. Um, I do actually. You should tell it since okay. it's the last day. Okay. It's the last one of Spooktober. It's the last episode. So in honor of November 1st, I think you should tell your spookiest story. Okay. So I think that I was probably around 13 and I had my sister and we had like two friends and the friends were, so it was my sister's age. So like nine and like, I think probably like seven or something. And 
we were alone in the house in our house and this is the house that we had on the east side of the state in the east side of michigan and this house had always had like like i swear to this day and i have friends that swear to this day that that house was like haunted as hell you know and um, that's pretty haunted (laughs) i mean there were like certain rooms where i didn't like going into like i hated going into like the guest like bedroom and um the attic always just like gave like a weird feeling i don't know it was you know what i mean so we were we're just hanging out and I think our parents were like partying like it was like New Year's Eve or whatever so um one of the girls Christy she like wandered off she came running back into the room and she's like dude I just swear I just saw someone and we were like what so of course dumb children as we were Instead of calling the police because there might be someone in the house, she saw. She thought she saw someone in the house. She thought she saw someone standing in the in like the living. room. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that like just it gave was me chills. Like, she <laughs> described what he looked like. Like she like was like he was wearing a plaid shirt and like had jeans on. Like she was like like he looked like a you know like it was a man. So like dumbass children, we decided to to arm ourselves with weapons. It didn't scare you. Um, it did. I was gonna say, like, I but think we my first kids. instinct would have been to like hide in a closet or something. Right, right. I would be terrified. So, like, I think part of me knew that there wasn't actually anyone there. You know what I mean? Like, I was maybe like, mm, this house is a little spooky, and it was built in like the, I think it was like the 1930s. Actually, have another even spookier story that I'll tell you. It's a lot quicker. But um, so we like went all around the house with like weapons, and nothing was there. I mean, it ended up being nothing, but it was like it was freaky because we were like four young women, four young girls, essentially. Like and, wandering. Like, could it be that she was just like ribbing you guys, or do you think she it's, actually thought she saw something? I think it may have been a mixture of both. Like maybe she's like, I'm gonna tell them. Like I saw it was a like ghost. the power of suggestion. You Interesting. know, that would be freaky. Yeah, but that I have spooky. another. Okay, I have another even creepier story. Well, lay it on me, Lauren. I'm I'm ready <laughs> so, for it. Well, do you have one you want to tell first? I do have a story that always gives me chills when I think about it, and I don't know how spooky you'll find it, but so my grandma, my paternal grandmother, uh, I almost. <laughs> I was said on my father's side, which is <laughs> redundant. Just trying to find, I'm trying to sound smart, you know. Um, anyway, she in her youth and probably all through her life, um, she was a sleepwalker, which I also am. And so I wonder if it's like par- partially genetic. I don't know. But she got a new robe when she was like a teenager and it disappeared one night and they never found it. And they even like remodeled their house and they, it's, it was just like, it just disappeared. And they surmised that she had been sleepwalking and put it somewhere and it was just like gone forever. And they never found it? No. That's weird. I don't know. It's just, it's not like a ghost story or anything, but it is spooky to think about. It always makes me feel kind of like weird. Like, where did it go? Well, I always, I think, I, I think you've told me that story before and I think, whenever I like hear or when I've heard that story I always picture it like crumpled up outside and like dirty like that's always what I see in my mind yeah 
like she just wandered out and she was like i don't need this yeah i don't remember what i'm doing you know yeah who knows um so my second story uh so i was um i was like again like 13 ish whatever i mean and not all this stuff happened in like one year it was a kind of spooky year for you (laughs) i was probably around like 12 or 13 whatever either way i was like you know i was it was like almost i was getting a little too old to go trick-or-treating but it was like so it was like one of my last years and i was with my friend mccall and she lived like two doors down from me and so we're going trick-or-treating and we were on this street that was like parallel to the street that i lived on but it was like maybe one or two over and i think it was called hartford and we walk down and so we go to this house and there's two figures sitting on the porch and i'm thinking that they're like statues right they're like like scarecrows or classic halloween prank (laughs) and there's like a a, you know bowl of candy out there and so we grab our candy and one of them moves shit. okay geez all right that's that's a real person and i was like let's just get out of here so we like walked away and as we're walking away i start getting a really like unsettling creeped out feeling and i turn around and one of them is following us like by the way can't ever like full-on has a has a mask on totally covered up i have no idea what this person looked like and my little 12 13 year old mind whatever was like this isn't right and i let out a blood curdling scream and the person just was like nope and turned around and booked the other way and i can't help but think if i hadn't done that there are so many awful people in this world and we were at the like perfect age to be like to be predated predate predated on predator predator preyed on preyed upon preyed upon (laughs) anyway and all i could think of is like what if i had been kidnapped and my parents were trying to look for me and i was less than half a mile away from them oh geez that's dark like (laughs) how fucking scary is that and my friend mccall was like why did you do that i wanted to see what happened and as a kid i don't know i don't know why i did it because it was scary i just all i all i know is my instinct was like scream as as loud as you can i had no like i don't think i knew or understood that this person could have harmed me or been a predator or like i don't i don't think i understood what sexual predators were at that age which why would i because i was like 13 and whatever you know um but all i know is that my instinct was to immediately do that and scream and i think like i legitimately still to this day i'm like i saved our lives you know like but i was like what so your friend knew that he was following Oh yeah, she saw she it too. She wanted to know what was going to happen. Why didn't she just go ask him? <laughs> I have no idea, because he walked away. That's weird behavior. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, I would have screamed too because yeah. I feel something like, even though you're young and you don't necessarily know the ins and outs of all the dark things in the world, like you still know when something isn't right. Yep. Exactly. So. And I knew something wasn't right. Yeah, I was that's like, creepy. <laughs> I was like, fuck no. Hell no. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually like to equate your story with something not dangerous at all. But I went to the haunt a couple of years back, which is like a local mega haunted 
attraction in Grand Rapids. If for anyone who's not in Grand Rapids, it's like a big deal. And uh, I worked with a church youth group. And so we took the, the students, the high school students to the haunt one Sunday night. And I didn't really want to go because I just don't like being scared it's i hate haunted houses (laughs) and but you know we took them and the worst part like i was prepared for people jumping out at me because you know it's not my first rodeo but i was not prepared for looking behind me and seeing one of them just like following for an indiscriminate amount of time and that's more scary to me and even in my head like my rational brain knows that they can't do anything you know like i paid to come here they're just doing their job it's still really spooky to look behind you and see somebody and look behind you like two minutes later and see the same person it's probably not quite two minutes but that's spooky so if anyone is planning a haunted house that's the real scary stuff (laughs) is not jump scares following no because like someone jumps out of you and they have like a chainsaw you're like okay (laughs) all right calm down (laughs) texas chainsaw massacre um but i also think about like when you see um because i like i i follow like some tiktoks that like they make like um mini horror like mini horror videos or whatever and they're usually cgi and some of them most of them I find are like not that creepy, but then there are some of them where, and I think it's the ones where it's usually a woman and they're, they're walking very like erratically. And that's like a very much like crossing the uncanny valley where you're like, that is not exactly human. And I'm fucking terrified. Yeah. It. <laughs> it's like, it's like Samara in the ring, how she climbs out of the well. Yeah. It's that sort of like jerky, herky jerky movement. It's, creepy yeah 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 yeah. it's yeah so I love Halloween and I don't think I celebrated enough this year but I also like had circumstances that were beyond my control like the pandemic and other shit um but uh I am going to a friend's wedding on the 30th so it's gonna be kind of exciting because they have like they sent out their uh save the dates and they sent out their invitations and both of them were like spooky looking you know so like i'm excited to see what they're gonna do for their i wonder if you guys will dance to the monster mash (laughs) i also do i always love the monster mash i always thought the monster mash was a fun song it is a fun song mash you do the monster mash the monster mash (laughs) mike said he read a tweet once that was like it always stuck with me because it's like the monster mash is a song about a song that we never get to hear what's that one um by tenacious d the greatest yeah song. exactly <laughs> yeah that's what it was equating it to mm-hmm. yeah yeah like, it was like this is like, this is just is this a tribute <laughs> yeah it's just a tribute to the monster mash the tribute to the yeah to, to a song that you're never gonna hear yeah so, so anyway, anyway yeah. i do like the monster mash as well just because it's like very nostalgic it's fun and novelty songs are fun i feel like I don't know when when we were kids I feel like the book of novelty songs was was more interesting than I don't know are there still novelty songs today like new ones I don't know for kids to enjoy or are kids too busy listening to like kids bop <laughs> kids bop I was that even still a thing like because that was a thing when we were younger it but... was up until recently because uh on a podcast podcast called freedom that i listened to as they had a long-running joke about a dua lipa song that they did in, on kids bop so <laughs> dumb are so listen if you're a parent out there and you're playing kids bop for your children i want you to just stop 
and play the regular song for them. And if you're upset because the regular song has swearing and sex in it, well, then just you don't have to play any version for them. Just find other music. Yeah. Like, don't play, you know, WAP by Nikki. (laughs) Just, I don't know. Just there's, I think it's, I think it's really weird. Kids Bop is a strange thing. I, you know, it's a strange phenomenon. And it's like, and I remember seeing these commercials when I was younger and I was like, why the fuck would someone want to listen to a bunch of off to like off tune kids that can't sing? They don't have the proper pitch versus like the real actual song. And then they like well, change the like, lyrics like slightly to be like kids appropriate. And it's always cringy and weird. Artists spend a lot of time and energy making this music and whether you think that it's like pop crap or not it's still like somebody's like mind and you know right. and time and creativity went into the song somewhere down the line so it's kind of insulting to be like here's a watered down version like yeah. I don't know it's and it's not like a good watered down ver- I mean, well watered down never implies good it's just it's a really weird phenomenon and and I just don't get it yeah I you know either. I don't either. Like, is there statistics if kids bop kids are better adults, well, more well-adjusted <laughs> than kids who just listen to the songs? I don't know. I mean, I, you know, it's like baby Mozart, you know, or baby Mozart kids like that were raised on baby Mozart, like better, you know, more equipped to deal with the world. Yeah, I think they are. They are. They probably have like all white kitchens <laughs> and they live in subdivisions and they, <laughs> yeah. 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 No color to their homes. Just beige. Everywhere beige. (laughs) (laughs) That's the one thing that bums me out is when I see anything where someone like goes into this home and like everything is just like one neutral color. I'm like, oh, don't you just want to die here? Like this is the worst I've ever seen. Like I just... It like makes me ups- well, and I like I love color, and you know my home is full of color. Well, my apartment is full of color because I love color. There's something to be said for personalizing your living space. I I agree, and I for a long time, kind of didn't do that, and then I, within the past couple of years, was like, you know what? What am I doing? I live here. Like I should actually spend the time to make it look nice, and I. And now I have all these posters up and these like paintings that I've done. And um, I one of Jeff Goldblum. So that was fun. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I have like the kiss from Gustav Klimt and um, uh, all this different stuff. I have a lot of, uh, I have a lot of Beetlejuice actually. I love, and Howl's Moving Castle because Howl's Moving Castle is one of my favorite movies. I watched it recently, like within the past couple months. And there was this one scene where I was like, I was like putting like my, like my hands up to my mouth. Cause I was like, Oh my God, I love this scene so much. And my friend looks over at me, like looking at this weird look, but I was just like, I just love it so much. And it just, it's still, it's still one of my favorites. And I'm so happy that it is because I think it's such a great movie, you know? Yeah. Have you ever seen that? Yeah. I watched it with you. Oh, you did. That's right. That's right, you know, we watch a lot of movies together. Yes, we do. Just all blends in. Yeah, you were the one who first showed me The Orphanage. That's right. We should, so we should talk about The Orphanage. We should. El Orfanato. (laughs) That was beautiful. Okay, so The Orphanage is about a woman who is moving 
her husband and her child, Carlos is her husband and her child is Simone, and they are moving to an old orphanage that she used to live in when she was a child before she got adopted. And basically they're making it into like a home for special children, which it, it looked like when they had the party, it was a lot of uh, children with Down syndrome, you know? So, um, and her son disappears, Simone, and she basically becomes obsessed with trying to find him again. And eventually um, it leads to her finding out that she accidentally caused his death. And it's very, it's very sad. It's a very sad story. So what did you think of the movie? I really like this movie. Um, so I've seen it three times now. First time you showed it to me. Second time I showed it to Mike. And now this time. And it's still, actually, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about, or why I was trying to think back things that we watched in Spooktober. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember. I'm already blanking. Which one? The one before Fright Night. Oh, we did a Kiss the Girls. No, there was another one. No, I don't think so. There's been four. Zodiac. It's Zodiac. Oh, so- <laughs> Okay. And I was like, if I just start arguing, I was like, no, it's been Kiss the Girls. But you were wrong. You were right. I mean, my bad. I was wrong. It's hard for me to say those words. I was wrong. So that's my mom. Sorry, one sec. My mom did that to me once where she was like, you mean I was wrong? you go yes <laughs> I did. I that's did. exactly what i meant i think i laughed i think i laughed at her she was just like joking around but anyway what were you saying no that's why i was actually like thinking back to the movies we had done in spooktober because like i talked about how zodiac isn't as creepy anymore and a perfect example is the orphanage still spooked me like i knew things were coming and I still got spooked, like, when she heard the noises in the shed and she goes out there and Benina is out there. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I knew that it was coming and I, like, covered my eyes. And, you know, so there's something really magical about this movie and, and they hit the right chord to make it still very spooky. And I have to tell you a story. So I was laying down and watching it on my couch, on my sofa, and... <laughs> I decided I wanted a snack, so I got up, and I got a little snacky, and I was sitting on the couch to eat the snacky, and let me paint the picture. So Lauren's in my apartment for, for everybody not, like, not here. I have a little, like, plants. Literally everywhere <laughs> outside of us. Yes. So I have a little plant stand in front of my window because I have some lavender growing, and what I do is I just close my curtain around the plant stand because the lavender really likes morning light. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to have to get up early and open my curtains. So it's a lazy way of having no, a greenhouse. So I had my curtains closed because it was late at night and I was sitting up and I was eating my snack. And have you ever had this experience where if you're at a certain angle, something appears to be moving? <laughs> so I have a story about that, but I kept thinking that my curtains were moving and I kept looking over there and they weren't moving and I was watching this scary movie and it tricked me like three times and I was like, okay, 
it's probably the way I'm sitting. There's probably like light shining off the sides of my glasses or something weird. And so then I noticed, I kept noticing it multiple times and I was like, okay, it's because of how I'm sitting. And it's very, like it's super vague and subtle. I'm sure people also know what I'm talking about where, um, and like, for example, Mike has this podcast he listens to called Skeptoid and the host sort of like points his skeptical eye at things and he was talking about how when he was growing up if you walked up the stairs to his house when you get to you got to a certain stair you could sort of like see above the floor like the landing above and the Mm -hmm. bedrooms and there was just something with the way the light moved as you were coming up the stairs that made it look like the door to one of the bedrooms would shut on its like would be moving on its own but it wasn't it was just like an optical illusion you know right. so it's the same thing but it was really freaking me out because i'm watching this scary movie and i was like looking at looking at the curtain looking at the tv you know anyway so it was a, a really fun experience <laughs> wow that's <clears throat> very different from the experience i had so i do like this movie um i have to say this time it did not scare me like it uh, at all i i was kind of expecting to be more scared and i was like no and in fact i actually fell asleep <laughs> during it. <laughs> it was the scene where she's having the dream about uh being in the water i like i i, I don't know what happened but at some point i was just like out and i <laughs> so i had to turn it off i had to turn off the ps3 and I, I turned on Bob's Burgers because that's what I usually like turn on when I'm like falling asleep, you know, because I'm so familiar with it that I doesn't, it doesn't distract me. Yeah. And so I just passed out for like an hour and a half and then woke up and I texted you and I said, it's a good thing that we decided to record at seven because I fell asleep watching the movie. <laughs> now, Wow. And that's not good, especially when it's in a different language. Yeah. The thing is, though, Sam... This is not my first time falling asleep during a horror movie. In fact, I have a pretty, like, strong record of doing that. <laughs> I will fall asleep during things that are, like, pretty scary to other people, and I'm just, like, out. It's, so I do not get scared easily. However, I have seen this movie many times, probably at least five times. I own it. So, um, but I... I have a story to tell you so yeah is this in relation to the one that i was yes, yeah that a little bit. okay so i was uh in the bathroom it was like last night or the night before or whatever it was a couple days ago and i was in the bathroom and i you know was going to the bathroom and i like stood up number one or number two just kidding i'm just <laughs> well, kidding I mean, since you're asking no uh and i stood up and i saw a figure like moving oh my gosh and i was like in your bathroom yeah i was like what well like no it looked like it was outside my bathroom oh like the door was open right yeah okay did you say that already no i didn't okay i was making sure i should should mention that and i said looked like a figure moving and i was like what the fuck and i was like okay well my apartment is pretty small like you can't hide in there you know you can't even hide in the closets they're too full there's there's really no place (laughs) there is a bonus uh to to having full closets (laughs) right right so i i i was you know like washing my hands whatever and i look up and i realize that it was my shadow (laughs) oh my gosh no i've done uh, yeah i've i've done that as well i totally get it (laughs) my shadow from the light like because like i don't think i turned on the bathroom light like i just had to like go be like number one or whatever um (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm sorry I made sorry, you say it. Sorry, that's TMI, but... No, I feel um, bad that I made you say it. <laughs> it's fine. But I had, like, the door open. So I was probably just going in really quick, you know. And um, the light from the outside of my bathroom was reflecting so that it looked like my... Sh- like, I saw my shadow on my curtain but it was in the reflection of the mirror so that's why i thought like it's like a horror movie shot door yeah but the way that my like it didn't logically make sense because the way that my apartment is is that there's no way for someone to walk past the door like because they would be in my closet you know what i mean it would so like i would be able to see them the entire time you know and <clears throat> But I was just like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, that's, that's enough for today. That was Let's your uh, daily accelerated heart rate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I'm pretty, like, I'm not very scared of horror movies, but I will not go to, like, a haunted house. Absolutely not. Because there's a difference between being able to pause a film and walk away versus being stuck in the middle of this damn place and it's super dark and I don't like the dark. I'm really afraid of it. I am like, like I don't like it's it's just like no, mm-mm, mm-mm. you know, it's a whole other whole other experience. So you're afraid of the dark? Mm-hmm. Didn't I ever tell you? That? I think you did. How yeah, come? It's, it's like I will sleep in my in a in my room that's dark. But, like, I always have nightlights, like, outside of my room. Um, I had an experience once when I was a kid. And it wasn't a very, it wasn't, like, a traumatizing one. But it was enough where, it, like, it freaked me out. But I was staying over a friend's place. And her room was completely black. And I woke up and I didn't know where I was. And I just hate that feeling. And so I was like, nope, never again. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't like the dark. Yeah, I like to have little nightlights as well, yeah. so I don't fall down the stairs or something. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> good. So, anyway. All right, I just have one note, but um, I noticed, I don't, I don't know if you noticed this. Well, okay, so, so we already kind of discussed, like, they, they're moving to this house, this old orphanage, and, like, redoing it, and so it, it'll be a, a nice place for children that have special needs to come and live. And, um, and the son goes missing, right? So when this is, it's after Benina comes to visit and she like gives her the file with all the information that like Simone has HIV. Um, and later Benina is in the shed, like in the middle of the night and like she's digging around and you don't know why she's digging around. So I wrote, and I don't know if you noticed this, but she, w- so Laura wakes up Carlos and she um, is like, you know, get up. We need to go. There's someone in the shed, like, you know, come with me. And he sees that there's like no one there, but in the background, right near the house, you can see a flashlight moving around. Oh, I didn't notice that. I know, no, I got goosebumps, I got goosebumps that. too. Cause that scene is really scary. It is creepy. It's very unsettling. Cause and, and so, Benina has like, just like a creepy look about her. Oh, she totally does. Yeah. And so you can't actually see a figure, but, and I had to rewind it like three times. Cause I was like, wait, 
did I just saw what I think I saw? And yeah, there's like, you can't see anything. All you can see is a little light like moving around, but it looks like someone who's walking with a flashlight oh, geez. right near their house. And I, I was, was like, thinking, I didn't notice that, but I was actually thinking it was weird that they abandoned the house, like both of them, because there's this person on their property. And so I was like, they should have, sh- I wish that for my own peace of mind, they showed them like locking the doors or something. Yeah. Cause right? I was thinking like, okay, well, both of you are distracted, you know, like what's stopping this intruder from coming into your house, you know? Well, yeah. And it's a huge enough house where she could hide pretty much. Well, anywhere. yeah. And she used to work there. So, oh, yeah. so she, she knows. knows, and she knows the place under the stairs and everything. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, I wish I would have noticed that. Cause that, but that scene it was it was very quick and very subtle and again i had to rewind it because mm-hmm. i like and i never noticed that before but i was watching it and i was like wait a second did i imagine that or was that a reflection and it was not a reflection it was definitely someone walking around oh that's really cool uh, that's interesting <laughs> like, I got goosebumps. yeah i don't understand that scene from a like from a standpoint of what I would do so she she hears the banging and she tries to wake up her husband and like the husband's trope throughout the movie is that he's like unreliable if you try to wake him up <laughs> like multiple yeah, times I know, I know he's like oh it's my turn I'll go get him and then he just turns over and falls back asleep yeah and she's like cool Carlos like let's get up you so know? she tries to wake him up half-heartedly I mean like I think if I heard like a banging noise that was abnormal I probably would shake him much more oh, yeah hell no no there's but then, no fucking way I would go and look but then myself. well and then yeah and then when she realized that the noise was outside I'd be like okay well we're locked inside the house there's no need for me to go exploring right and so i don't know why she went out there to begin with and then to further it like she saw that the door of the shed was the one thing that was making the noise because it was blowing open and closed at that point i'd be like all right we'll discover what's going on in the morning maybe the latch broke but then she went into it and she went so far into the shed that she's like walking around and then Boom, there's Benina and oh it's so I knew it was coming and I said I covered my eyes, but I kind of watched between cracks, you know, and it still like just freaked me out. And then she went and shook him awake more and you see them both outside of the shed. But that scene, I was like, why go, why go look for it? You have no idea what's out there. Like well, the house had been abandoned for how long? Yeah. There could be homeless people, dangerous people, who knows? Like so Well, and we don't like we it looks like it's a rural area, but there could be houses nearby. We just are not aware of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, it's a beautiful area. It's right near the beach. Like, I can't imagine other people wouldn't want to live there. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I, yeah, I don't, I, first of all, I would be like, okay, there's something, there's some noise. I would wake up my husband, like what you said, and then I'd be like, we're going together to do this. Or we're just going to call the police. And I don't, I think that's something that bothers me in, in like movies and TV shows is when they're like, I'm going to go explore myself. And I'm like, okay, so when you meet that machete wielding psychopath, good luck. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's just, it's, it's like climbing the stairs when a psychopath is after you. Don't climb the stairs. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. Stand at the top of the stairs or at the bottom and just wait for you to come down. She got to come down eventually. You know, don't go out traipsing around alone into a shed when you just moved someplace anyway. Yeah. And then, I mean, and you don't know what kind of 
woman banana is you know and well you don't know until later what kind of woman she is but she could be even though she's old she could or older she could still be violent you know well she is violent what she did to all the that's, kids that's true yeah. she was violent yeah but she doesn't well, know that at that point i wouldn't consider that violence though because she poisons them it's but it's you evil know, it's oh it's definitely evil yeah she, she's capable of murder basically i mean i i empathize with her in a, a certain sense because this was still her child that she you know i mean i can't imagine it, it, there's there's an ongoing consistency of women losing their children in this film you know mm -hmm. um but to the level of not understanding or refusing to understand that these are children who did not get that by doing this they're going to cause the death of another human being is like like either like either you need to quit the job and you need to move on before you kill these kids or something else you know what i mean and the whole movie like now that i've watched it again well i i felt like this before but now that i watched it again i just i don't find it as creepy as much as i just find it very sad you know it's just a very like it really kind of like just puts your your heart into a spot where you're like damn that hurts you know like so anyway i do think it's creepy because it's a it's a about ghosts and i really like i think it's hard to do a creepy movie about ghosts when I don't know how to put this into words. Like when the intent of the movie is to scare me with the ghosts instead of scaring me with what the ghosts are doing. So for example, like a mo the movie like Insidious where like they were trying to scare us with the ghosts. Like the ghosts were kind of ugly and gross looking and, and they made weird noises and they, you know, just like generally scary ghosts, scary quote unquote, the, you know. But this movie was like, it really creeped me out because the ghosts were just little children and they just looked like healthy little children, you oh, know? Yeah, yeah. And, but what they were doing was like putting me on edge. Like when they were playing like the treasure hunt game, it was like giving me kind of chills because you're like, all these, these children ghosts are like moving things in the house and they're putting all these clues together. And I, and I really like that. I think it's a very creative way to convey the creepiness of the situation without trying to it is trying to be creepy i can't say that they're not but they're doing it and to my in my eyes they're doing it the right way like oh uh, simone is like we have to go find these clues you know and i want to show you these what did he call them like special pebbles or special rocks and it's like his baby teeth and i was like oh teeth that's weird but then she's like these are your baby teeth and he goes, yeah, well, where did you used to keep my baby teeth? So they have to go to that and they find sand and then they go out in the garden and they, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and I really, I think that that's like just creepy, inherently creepy, just knowing that like we know as the viewer, well, we don't actually know if you've only seen the movie the first for like, if you're watching it for the first time, you're like, is Simone doing this or not? Yeah. But like, it's just kind of like unsettling and right and then she finds later in the movie she finds the door handle and she can't find the place for it to go and you're just i don't i just really like 
that aspect of it and I think the the set the house is so cool yeah and I like that the house isn't dilapidated I think I talked about this in we've always lived in the castle where I think it's more rare than not to have a house that's in actually pretty decent shape and I noticed that because it's um distracting to me if the house is like in disarray and disrepair and i like that though this house is old and has been on lived in for a little while it's still in good shape so i can just be free of concern about anything happening in the house like you know and and i think that that's that was a really good style and design choice because it also adds the creepiness because it's like this old mansion yeah Yeah, it's this really beautiful old home and i agree with you that so I agree with you that it's creepy that the children are creepy, but I almost wish that I had seen this for the first time reviewing this because I think that my, my experience and my um, judgment on it, I guess would be a lot like not different, but it would be from a more, I guess, like renewed sense of like a renewed view, you know, because seeing this movie again i don't find them so much creepy as i find them well yeah i do find them creepy but they're like playfully creepy you know and i think the part that creeped me out the most and still does is when she's playing the one two three knock on the door yeah yeah and like and and so she's like one two three knock on the door and then she keeps looking back and i love the camera angle that it's like focusing on her so you can't see anything behind her and i'm getting goosebumps talking about it and like so she like looks behind her and it's like all this empty dark space and nothing's there and she does it again and nothing's there and nothing's there and the camera slowly pans so each time you're expecting like what's gonna be there because at that point we don't know what the ghosts are even gonna look like or if they're gonna show up so right yeah and then like the door opens you're like She's like, okay. And she kind of pauses at that point. Almost, it almost seems like Laura is kind of like, should I continue? Yeah, I thought the same thing. Yeah, she's like, okay, the door just opened by itself. Great. Um, (laughs) You know, and then you see one kid and then all of a sudden it's the rest. And it's like, and, and just the, and the thing is, I think that is so well done about that. And it's like what you said is that they're not like they, they don't have this ridiculous um, paint on them, like like skin paint. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's not like, oh, this kid died because he got chopped in half. And so you see a kid with like a severed waist or this kid died because he got, I don't know, crushed by a horse. You don't see bruises. They just look like healthy children. Right. Right. Yeah. And, but. It's so, and I think what is so unsettling is that it's so unlike real live children in that they're just standing still and they're staring at and her quiet. and they're not saying anything and they're not moving and you're just like, so these are not real children, <laughs> you know what I mean? And and I think that is what's so, it's just so unsettling and they're, and they're in their uniforms and everything and so it's, it's very, it's very creepy but it's very well done. I like when the kid reaches up and touches her shoulder. You do. Yeah, as they well. Away. So what do you think about Carlos? Well, I actually like, I like Carlos a lot. And I think that it, his actions in the movie don't upset me at all. Because yeah. I think that he's also lost a child. I think his grief is different than hers because 
part of the reason that the child is Simone got lost was because she yelled at him and she had a bad interaction with him the last time she saw him. So I think she has on one level throughout the movie before she knows what actually happened, she still has like a certain amount of guilt. I oh, think big time. because the way they left off was a lot different. Like Carlos and him didn't have a fight or anything. And then I also think like Carlos's skepticism is perfectly normal to me because they had the medium in the house and yes, they did hear children laughing, but he also said to, to Laura, you know, her assistant was up in the rooms like for an hour. And so I think he believed Laura and loved her enough where he wasn't like calling her crazy, but he also, I think had his own grief and was just trying to move forward. And so his, I thought that his actions seemed perfectly believable based on the situation. I think that, he as far as like horror movie husbands go i think he's more likable Mm -hmm. because there's a lot well there's that trope where the husband never believes the wife whatever and he's always supportive of her but there is a point where he is he's going listen this is driving you up the wall and we need to take time away Mm -hmm. you know and she's like i can't go and he's like okay and i respect that but i do so i'm gonna leave I'll be gone for a couple of days and I'll come back. We'll, we'll deal with this then. And I think if you, I mean, first of all, I can't imagine. So their child disappears. They have no idea what happened to him, never found anybody. So there's no real um, closure for them. And I can't imagine in real life having that kind of experience where your child disappears and you never find the body. So you never know I mean, could he have been kidnapped? Could he have drowned? Could he have been his body washed out to the ocean? Could he have been in that cave? Like any number of things could have happened and they just don't have any information and nothing is coming from the police, from Pilar is her name. Um, and, and nothing, there's no clues for like nine months, you know? And so she, she's just being driven crazy. And I, and honestly, like, I think, grief does that especially when like what you said there's so much guilt associated with how they left things i mean she slapped him which was obviously something she regretted doing and was done in a moment of you know i mean it it wasn't great that she did that but it happened is what you know and it was still a woman who very much cares about her child uh so it is it's just it's like, how do you, how do you move on from a situation like that? How do you move on without going, well, what if he's still alive? What if he's still out there? What if we haven't looked hard enough for him and he's just waiting for us to find him, you know? And so there's a million different questions, a million different, you know, things going through your mind. And, and I, I think after a certain amount of time, you have to understand that it's likely that they're probably dead you know i mean there's very few cases where uh in real life where someone is kidnapped or whatever happens and they come back later like steven stainer was a good example it was like seven years later and he was he was kidnapped when he was seven and came back when he was like like 14 or something you know what i mean but that doesn't that just doesn't happen 
it's that's that's a very unusual situation and so <clears throat> i don't know i whenever i just watch this movie i always think about that like how how do you move on from that situation how how do you grieve when you don't know what you're even grieving you know yeah exactly yeah. i really love how the movie opens up with her as a child playing that one two three knock on the wall game and you see the rules of the game you see how it's played and then later in the movie she's trying everything she can to conjure up these ghosts to show her where simone is because she assumes that they know and nothing is working and then it dawns on her and she plays that game with them and i think that that's so creative and i yeah. also think the ease in which she accidentally killed her son is very creative and i know that that's a weird thing to say but it's so believable yes and I totally agree. it's not outlandish it's just this it's this horrific accident yeah like i said that weird horrific it's just it's just an awful accident yeah and i just i think the simplicity of the story is so creative and the grief that they go through and you know also if you're going to add a supernatural element on top it's sprinkled in in a really good way because the noises that the ghosts make and the things that ghosts do are just like normal creaking house noises and doors slamming and i think that's really cool because it's just all so natural right and and that's really interesting and and very creative to me so you know something that i go through every time i watch this movie and i don't know how you feel about this but every time i watch this movie i go are the ghosts real or were they just in her imagination the entire time? And I kind of, I lean more towards them being real. But every time, every time I watch this movie, I question it. Every time I go, are they really there? But then I think about, well, there's the, the psychic that, you know, came in and she was open that one uh, room and like all the children were crying and everything. But then, you know, Carlos says something like, well, he could have, like, you know, her assistant could have done something, could have planted something there that made that sound, that made it sound like children. Um, so there's a part of me that's a skeptic. And I'm a skeptic in my own personal life, despite my um, many, what I would consider paranormal experiences, there is part of me that is a skeptic because I think that it, if I think that science can explain a lot more than psychological, you know, psychological, because you can, uh, there's many things you can convince yourself of, whether or not they're true. And the mind is a very malleable, 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 is that right? Whatever. Um, instrument, I guess. And I mean, people go into cults and are convinced of something that this cult leader is, is preaching whether or not it's true and then i'm just saying that people like this happens to people all the time so grief can really fuck with your mind and start to think like maybe these children that are dead are actually ghosts so that's kind of so i'm curious like what what do you think i think they're real think so? uh i think they're real because uh the medium 
saw them and they also were killed in a fashion that they had like they're sort of stuck in this plane of existence yeah because of how they were killed you know and when she died at the end they recognized her Mm -hmm. she sort of became their caretaker in this weird afterlife that they're in so i think it's real just i think because it it's a ghost story to me Mm -hmm. Uh, but i can see an argument for them not being real except for the fact that why have like if the writer who wrote the story was like actually wink wink they're not real i would have a hard time with why he included a medium and why there other people like carlos who is a skeptic heard the voices of the children and so and if they weren't real but the medium was just like ribbon everybody and set some elaborate scheme up i think that's a, a weird thing to add without explaining to the audience that like you know like did you ever like the yellow wallpaper did you ever read the short story the yellow wallpaper about a woman who's like actually like losing her mind but it she's having familiar. like these delusions and everything do you remember who wrote it no i don't remember but um you look it up real quick so i think that there is a place for stories like that about like a woman slowly going mad and things not being real but i just don't think this movie is that because otherwise i feel like they went about it in a really weird way and i would rescind all of my compliments about the writing if they were just like at the end they were just like surprise you didn't know it but it was all jk lol (laughs) so i do think that they're real ghosts um i did have a question for you though and this i'm not sure about but in the beginning or when she takes the cake up to simone as sort of like a peace offering and she can't find him and she's in the bathroom and he and he suddenly appears at the end of the hall wearing tomas's Mm -hmm. mask is that Simone or is that the ghost of Tomas? I've always wondered that too. Okay. Because it's um, you don't really... I mean, you find out later that Simone is wearing the costume. Right. But it just seems so violent. I could... Yeah. I, well, the thing is... I don't... That's a good question because you don't really know. And you never really find out. And so you're kind of... I think that's the type of thing where they leave it for the audience to decide because you're right. It is kind of violent, but I can also see why he may have reacted that way because it was, again, he's a kid. So you're, there's not a lot of like regulating your emotions when you're, you're a child, you know, so anger, especially after his mom had just unexpectedly slapped him to, you know, run at her and close the door, which he wasn't, it didn't seem like it was necessarily violent towards her as much as he was just trying to like, like close the door angrily on her and her hand just happened to be in the way. Yeah. Um, but, but then he like showed her the key through the window. Yeah. And I was like, this just seems like, it just has a feel to me. Like maybe it wasn't him, but like you said, like, yeah, it is perfectly explainable that it is him, but it's also explainable that it could be because Tomas does show up at the end when they're all in the bedroom. Like Tomas is there right. as a ghost. The thing, I think the thing that causes me to argue that it's not Tomas is that Tomas seemed kind of like a peaceful character. And that's, that's always the impression I got from him was that he was just kind of like lonely and sad and he wanted friends. That makes sense. And that he wouldn't, it seems to me more likely that Simone would be the one that would do that 
because of what just happened. Yeah. Um, part of me is always like, why would he want to wear that like gross, musty mask? I think the same thing. But it's a kid. So like a kid goes out and gets like digs in the dirt and makes the friends with the ants and the worms or whatever. And like is maybe like, I'm going to try and like eat a worm. You know, like they do gross shit all the time versus me as an adult who like touches the doorknob and I'm like, gross, I have to wash my hands <laughs> You know what I mean? Like I, I not that I'm like that bad, but like you know, public doorknobs are also kind of gross because everyone's touching them. You get it anyway. Um, so I, I don't know. I think he's also a, that's a really good question because I, I don't know. You make a good point about Tomas seeming peaceful, but also that scene he's making like weird growling noises, which we've never heard Simone make. Right. So that's another reason. But I think it's probably deliberately done to throw you off right because she tries to take the mask off and he like flips out right so that's another it's just that is another good example of um it maybe being tomas that he doesn't want the mask taken off him but i never got i mean you don't really see him even as a ghost until the end you know so that's make that it, like I like I I think I'm more inclined to believe that it is Simone. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I think Especially that's the since, most like logical explanation, but yeah. it, there is still like a mystery element. Well, and, and he, you know, I mean, he had found where Tomas Tomas was being kept. You know, so mm -hmm. he like he called it like Tomas's house or whatever. Um, so there's definitely. You know, it's possible that he could have found that mask down there. Um, I also, like, the, as I'm watching this movie, I'm like, they, like, they could have chosen any other thing that would have looked way less creepy than this fucking burlap sack on this poor kid's face. Like, this child that, like, happened to be born just, you know, like, deformed and, like, just, I mean... I really felt for this child and he's like, and then he ends up dying in this terrible way. And I, I don't know. I think I'm, I think the more I talk about it, the more I'm like, I think it was Simone. Cause I just, I feel in my soul that Tomas was not capable of that. He just seemed like he was a more peaceful character, you know? That makes sense. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, I do agree with you. I was thinking about that when I was watching it, how like, the best thing they could do for this kid was give him this hideous mask because they said his face would scare the children. So, so you actually give him, like, creepy mask is going to scare them. As some well. things in the movie didn't quite jive. Uh, mm -hmm. For example, they said his face would scare. The, they said nobody knew about him because he was kept hidden. Right. Then they said his face scared people, scared the children, and then it said I the children, um, like corralled him into the cave and taunted him so i don't really understand how it could go from like nobody knew he existed to unless maybe the children just happened to see him and they didn't know who he was but that's never explained it's just yeah i just sort of accepted it as i was watching it but then when i thought about it i was like wait a second they said nobody knew who he was so how did they corral him in this cave and tease him and taunt him because where would they how would they know to take his mask i don't it's like things like that don't add up and there's one more thing 
that I wanted to bring up that doesn't jive, and that's how did she kill all the kids? Where were the other people? Where were the other women who worked at the orphanage? Well, she she poisoned them. She poisoned the the women who worked there too. She she poisoned the kids. I don't think she poisoned the women. That's what I mean. Like wh- what? Like how did it not become breaking news that all these like six children at an orphanage died? Well, five. How did it not become breaking news <laughs> that five children in an orphanage died? And why was she the only one there? And where? Because when Pilar was showing Laura the photos, Laura was like, okay, that woman is, I don't remember who, she's, she was like the principal or whatever. Right. And then Pilar pointed to Benina, who was standing in the photo too. And I, I like how Laura was like, Oh, that that can't be. She can't have worked there. I'd remember. And I'm like, well, she's right there on the photo. So I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, you're in like the photo. About it, like she's in the photo with her. And then <laughs> you find out that Benina killed these kids by poisoning them because they corralled her son into a cave and he drowned when the tide came up. But where is the uh, at least the one other woman? Like, what happened to her, and why? Why did she? Why did she get away with this crime? If she didn't work there for very long, a her son had just recently died. So there's just like things that don't quite make sense if you think too much about them, right? So, okay. So, as far as no one knowing that Tomas was there, I don't think that was true. <laughs> obviously because he ends up dying um well and it showed the other woman in the school like letting him in through a door so the other adult point where like you see like this old footage of him and he's standing outside and he's waving at the camera Mm -hmm. so people knew that he was obviously there and then this woman pulled him back and was like no you're too ugly and horrible to look at to be around these other children you terror like and how would laura not remember him because it sounds like they got killed like right after she left but they didn't really say when i guess i kind of so i kind of got the impression even even when she said like oh i would remember benina she didn't work there i kind of got the impression that benina started working there right after laura had gotten adopted well, she was in that photograph with her. So true. maybe yeah, right so at that time, I guess. Maybe it was, yeah, same time or it wasn't like they had maybe not had enough, like, talking. Like, they didn't, you know, I mean, and also you're a kid. So she's, she says she's 37 in the movie. So let's say she was, like, seven when she was adopted. So it's 30 years later. She's 37 now. I think it's possible that because she was a child she was probably not paying a lot of attention to the women that were working there you know unless it was someone that she had been she had been with like that had worked there for a long time you know but if you don't have a lot of memories of talking with this person yeah or you didn't have a lot of times where you did talk and you had been adopted maybe like really like even a month after yeah like, that could still be enough time where 30 years later why would she remember this woman no that makes sense for a month you yeah. know mm-hmm. especially if she didn't know about tomas you know in in my mind that would that would be the thing that would stick with me as a child is remembering this kid and not really remembering the mom you know what i mean so it seems to me like it was it's not it's less of like it's less of like a 
um, I, I don't know, like Laura's just being like stubborn or whatever and more just, she was just a kid. So she just didn't know. And, and 30 years is a long time. I mean, I have trouble forgetting the episode that we did three episodes ago. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's just, it's a, you know, memory is a funny thing and, and depression and anxiety and grief can also cause you to lose your memory. And especially if this, like all this weird shit is happening at the same time that her son disappears and this woman comes into her life, I could, I could totally see why she wouldn't remember her. Well, I don't, I'm not suggesting she should remember her as an adult necessarily. I'm just saying it's weird that she didn't think back. I I just, I feel like there's timeline aspects of the movie that don't, work if you think about them too much but i know i think you're right like definitely if that woman was only in her life for like a month yeah why would she ever remember it and that that all makes sense yeah unless there was something very like off-putting about her you know i mean because you're not gonna remember just day-to-day um interactions with someone unless they affected you in a like a profound way you know sure oh big time yeah you can talk to someone in the store about like gum you know and be like oh this is my favorite flavor oh that's your favorite favorite flavor too cool but like if someone you know you you see someone and they're like i love what you're wearing today it's like oh my god thank you and i'm gonna remember you now because you just made my day you know what i mean so it's I think it's just, it just depends on the interactions that she had and just didn't sound like she had a lot with this woman. Yeah. Yeah. And I had a question for you is that why is, or like, what was Benina's motivation for coming back to the house? Like I was thinking, was she trying to get revenge on Laura or she was in that shed, like trying to break open, open like the crematoriums where the kids' bodies were disposed. And I was just wondering, like, was she trying to, what, what was, like, what do you think her motivation was? Was she trying to, like, hide them? Because she could have done that for years and years before Laura bought the house. Yeah. And was she trying to get revenge on Laura? But why would she if Laura left before any of this stuff with Tomas happened? Like, do you know why Benita might have, was it just so the movie had a reason to exist? I don't I'm, I mean... I guess because that's a good question because well at first first of all it seems like Benina is not a woman that is totally mentally all there you know I mean later you see her walking with a baby um a baby carriage with a doll that and is, a doll. has a Tomas costume yeah, on right and so she's clearly like either grief has taken over her mind or whatever I think that Benina breaking into the uh, shed was maybe just a vehicle to confuse the viewer first of all because Pilar says well maybe she had kidnapped Simone mm-hmm. so um, but it doesn't I don't think it really gives any reason other than it kind of being again a vehicle to like move this the story forward but I did just read on Wikipedia that when it opened in the Cannes, Cannes Film Festival in May 20th, 2007, it received a standing ovation that lasted more than 10 minutes. That's amazing. <laughs> Could you? I, like, can, I cannot even imagine spending all this time creating this movie, 
writing it and then like producing it and you know that there's so many people that put in their life like their blood and their sweat and their tears and then the movie ends up being garbage you know but showing it and probably being super nervous and then all of a sudden like everyone is just like this is an amazing movie and you get a 10 minute standing ovation i'd be like sobbing i'd be like guys this is too much it would be a pretty incredible oh my gosh i oh that'd be incredible that would be really incredible but um yeah so oh, they're making they're remaking it for american audience oh good mm-hmm, great i don't yeah. know why you know uh well i'm sure that Americans the kids can't read i'm sure an inch, of, an inch of subtitles i'm sure that the kids will be grosser and everything will just be more yeah. uh gory and it'll just just be worse in some we should review it and then talk about how garbage it's gonna be <laughs> They'll probably change the title too and call it like the foster home or something. <laughs> the foster home. Um, no, so yeah, so those things don't ruin the movie for me, but I do wish that they explain them a little more because I do still think the story is so creative and and the writing is creative, but I just I wish that there had been some line of dialogue that's like you know, prior to you buying this house, everything was locked up with padlocks and it just impenetrable so that it could explain why Benina didn't have a chance to break in before that right. or to say, like, uh, or to, like, the problem that I have, one of the biggest problem I have is that I don't understand how she got away with the crime because the movie makes a big fuss about like newspaper articles regarding Simone's disappearance. Like Carlos has a whole wall of like articles and things and clues about what may have happened to Simone. So it's already a part of the movie. They've established this like trend of like getting exposition from newspaper headlines and using them as props. And so I don't really understand. It could have been done that way like they could have shown like she could have discovered she i mean i guess i like how she discovered how they were poisoned because like the kids the ghost sort of told her told the medium or whatever you know and but at the same time i think like how did she get away with this because there's a good question i just don't i don't like that aspect of the movie it really bothers me because it's a gaping hole and like I said, it doesn't ruin the movie for me, but it does bother me enough right. to be like, this can't happen. Like, you've established that there's multiple adults in this house. How do five children die and go like go missing? And I know they're orphans, but people don't just not know orphans exist. Like, there's probably lots yeah. of people that worked at that or visited. Like, milkmen probably came and brought milk oh yeah they probably took the kids out on into wherever little village they live by you know there's just people know that children exists right exist so that i think is is a mega hole and i and i wish that there was some explanation for it like well yeah because the other women at the place would have been like hey where are the five children yeah benina's like they're asleep in their beds and then they go and check on them and they're like asleep and you know why are all these children dead? <laughs> you know i mean it, yeah that it doesn't make sense that she would just walk away from it and cremate them she cremated them yeah well and yeah. and so i just don't I, that really it's like they just disappeared i can't yeah. i can't not think about it 
Yeah. And so that bothers me, but uh, I, I do still like uh, Benina's character because she's so unsettling anyway. Yeah. And I, I like when they see her and I don't like it, but she gets like hit by the bus and that's a pretty gross scene. Like there's some body horror in this movie that I, I could do without like the fingernail coming off yeah, uh, Laura's hand. And then they cover Benina's face with a, a blanket when she first gets hit. But then she grabs Laura's arm. So, of course, they uncover her face and you see like half her jaw gone. And I'm like, oh, I could have done without that. I have actually something to say about that. So that um, so she gets hit by the bus. Right. And uh, Carlos, who is a doctor, goes to try and help her. And he's giving her mouth to mouth. Yeah. But her jaw is like real broken it's like, gone there's no way for like there's literally no way for him to give her mouth to mouth because all the air would escape but also this and this really bugged me and maybe i'm just i don't i don't even know but this really bugged me but there is blood visible blood that he's getting on his mouth which would could get in his mouth and he as a doctor should know how dirty blood can be and how many diseases it can carry and he's just like casually wiping it off his mouth and I was like first of all you wouldn't have given her mouth to mouth if her jaw was fucking broken and hanging off like and that yeah that part was really nasty I I actually think that probably is the part that like it doesn't I wouldn't say it like scares me most of all but it definitely like unsettles me most yeah of all, mm-hmm. you know because it's because you just don't and especially the first time I saw it like you don't think that's what you're gonna see and then you see it and you're like oh fuck oh my god okay whoa yeah it was terrible and and you know of course uh Laura thinks that like Simone is like in this little baby carriage and um and it's just like a doll of Tomas which is super heartbreaking but you're right. Why did she get away with killing these five kids? I don't know how she did. And like I said, it would have been so easy for them to say something like, we found out, well, like, we found out that, or wait, it would have been so easy to be like, yeah, she used to work at the orphanage, but then tragically, uh, the other sisters who ran the orphanage or nuns or teachers or whoever they were, had to leave for the weekend and she was alone with the children when they came home all the children were gone and she was gone and they never found her again and they never found the children and they could even show like a newspaper headline like five orphans missing from spain like this part of spain or something and it would have been so easy to do that but instead now it's like but what how did she do it how did she get away with it you know because i understand like i think the implication is well no one cares about orphans so yeah, they wouldn't have family looking for them, but there would be other people looking for them. Oh yeah, yeah. So I mean, there would be people that care about them. Yeah, clearly. and she changed her name, and she changed her name in a time like you know, thirty years prior, where it. Well, I guess it would only be like, well, it like the movie came out in like the nineties, two thousand came out in two thousand seven. So it'd be like the 80s seven seventies so before internet so you know a little bit easier to disappear a little bit and so that's why she was like they could have never they could have just explained how they never found her right and but 
I think it's really weird that they're like nobody was concerned about like oh um five children disappeared from this house 30 years ago and nobody ever found out what happened but it's almost like and it's almost like Laura never tried to find any of them ever again or never kept yeah. up with any of them and I think that's kind of weird like she had such fond memories of the house that her and her husband bought it to open up a school but they never talk about the dark past of children just going missing yeah and you know I think that could have been something that could have added a real spooky factor to it big time because she like and I'm getting goosebumps on this but she could have she could have been telling Carlos the story like, oh, yeah, the, the kids here disappeared. And I just always kind of felt like a sense of guilt because I had left before yeah. they all disappeared. You know, like a, maybe like a, almost like a survivor's Big guilt time. or something. Because she um, got adopted. And yeah. yeah. And I mean, even, even with, even if Benina or the, let's say Benina did get caught with, you know, killing these kids, they could have even just had like a news article where they're like, women poisons five children and gets 20 years in prison you know it happens people don't like sometimes people get a very small amount of time in prison and so she's like maybe just out of prison or has been out of for a, a couple you know decade or whatever um but yeah it's it's very strange that yeah no one i don't think that would have worked because i really like the reveal when she finds the remains Me too. she looks down Me too. and she sees like the jawbone Oh yeah, the mandible was yeah. Yeah, so I like, don't she's, think like, picking it out like she's just like ah, da, 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 and she looks at it and she's like oh yeah, <laughs> and she has it like, like all over her face like the yeah. dust. But so I like that. Ugh. So I think it would have worked for it to be like five children disappeared. The teacher who was watching them also disappeared. But yeah, I don't think that they need to spell out at that point that they were killed. Just mm -hmm. we, you know, just reference the fact that five children disappeared you know yeah so and it that would have been i think that would have made everything just a little bit more tense because mm -hmm. you were like what happened and then you you literally see them later and you're like oh shit yeah they're still here but they've been dead <laughs> yeah um i wanted to talk about the grieving uh group of people and that one woman that told the story about her daughter and how her daughter's like, you need to move on, you know, like, I'm okay. Um, and then the leader of the group being like, everyone here has had the same experience and all the people start like raising their hands was like, just heartbreaking. Like every single person here who has lost their child, which I cannot imagine that, is, um, has experienced seeing their child in some sort of like, paranormal or supernatural form but with her it's i think with these other people like it kind of sounded like their children died in like natural ways you know what i mean like died of like i'm just saying like leukemia or something. you know what i mean either way and versus hers who disappeared and she still doesn't know where he is um it's it's it, it kind of maybe like do you think it maybe gave her like a sense of kind of peace that other people had experienced that or do you think it made it worse for I thought it made it worse because I, I thought at that up till that point I think she was still under the assumption that he was alive and had been kidnapped and so it's like maybe deep down she knows the truth that it's 
very possible that he's not alive anymore, especially since he was HIV positive and wasn't getting his medicine. That alone, you know, I think would, would be in her mind like, yeah, he's he's probably not doing well if he is alive at all. And I think it was kind of offensive to her almost that these people were talking like, they were sort of talking down to her like, we know that you're not saying your child is dead, but let us tell you that your child is dead because yeah. we've seen our dead children. And so I thought to myself, like, that seems kind of insensitive of them to like push forward with this narrative of like, yeah, when my child died, I saw their spirit as well. And I'd be like, well, she hasn't fully admitted that her child is dead yet. Well, and she doesn't know. She doesn't know, but she also like hasn't admitted to herself. I don't think she's accepted the possibility even and so I thought it was a little bit presumptuous of the group and on, from her perspective, yeah. because she was still operating under the, I'm, I'm going to find him still. Right. Like, and mindset. I mean, and how can you not think that when you're a mother or, you know, you have a child, like, how can you not, how can you allow your mind to go? Well, they're probably dead. Like you, mm-hmm. you don't know what happened to them. So you want to hold on to the hope, even if you, even if you know deep down inside that it's probably not like, it's probably unlikely that they're still alive. Who wants to admit to themselves? Yes. My child is dead and gone, even though I cannot put them to rest because I cannot find their body. And, and, I just, I think about shit like that all the time. Like when I listen to like the murder podcast and everything, like people that never find the body of their loved ones, like how, how, how do you move on from that? Because at least with like, you find the body, like, yes, they're dead. And I know this. And now I can like, I can grieve them properly because I know what happened to them, but never finding their body and having no idea what happened is just like, I, I think I would do the same thing. I think I would, I become obsessed with it, you know, and it would eat away at me and, and eat me alive because I I mean, this is my baby, you know, who stole my baby? What happened to my baby? Where is he? Where's my child? You know, like, is he alive? Is he dead? What's going on? And, and I, I agree with you that I think it's, they're a little bit insensitive to be like, oh yeah, your husband, your, or not your husband, your child is dead. And it's like, well, we, we don't really know that. I don't know that. You don't know me and you don't know that. So if I don't know that, this is my kid, then you don't know that, you know? And, and, uh, <clears throat> but I did like, I did like that scene though. Um, just for kind of just the sad, sad quality of it. And also I think it, kind of maybe put into her mind that like there's a possibility that you know he has not lived and he's and he's likely dead and so um it's very grim but it's also I don't know you know it's very this whole movie is just very sad yeah it is it is sad it is a very dark movie I really like one of the things, and I think I've, I've talked about this many times whenever I've talked about this movie with people, one of the things that I love about this movie is that there are the, any jump scares, and I'm putting that in quotes because there's not really jump scares, any jump scares they have in this film are explained. They're never just there just to be there. They're like, like she puts her ear to the wall because she hears movement and she hears a crash. And later you find out it was Simone drop a falling to his death. 
And so it, it's like, and you put like two and two together and so you're like, oh my God, that's what happened. That's what she heard. Like, it's never just like, boo, and there's no reason for this to be here, you know? And that is probably my number one pet peeve with horror movies is that, first of all, I hate jump scares because they're usually like, it's usually a sign of lazy storytelling. <laughs> um they're only there to get your heart rate up and there's really no again it's just poor storytelling it's poor writing and so with this movie the i love it so much because everything that happens in this film is for a reason and it's there specifically to continue and push the story further it is never there just to like freak you out you know and i appreciate the hell out of that because i love movies that are well written believe it or not so i have a question for you and it's a little bit of a convoluted statement so it's gonna take me a minute to get there it's something that just occurred to me okay so i really enjoyed when the medium was in the house because i thought her scenes were kind of spooky because her eyes were like shadowed yeah and her expression was always like like shocked and big-eyed or something i don't know which i'm sure was intentional and it is a trope like scary old woman who conducts a seance is like well she wasn't scary creepy older woman (laughs) who conducts a seance is kind of a trope and i'm cognizant of the fact that it's like overdone but i like the way they do it in the movie because she also seemed like a regular person instead of like somebody who's just regularly half cocked but i didn't like the way she like held the doll up to her face and like inhaled like she had never taken a breath in her life i was like is that really necessary i thought that same thing i was like oh that probably smells like it probably smells like mold yeah and her her assistant was like she needs these things from the house the original house because it helps her get get into the mindset and i was like yeah but i mean does she have to like smell them so hard so that was comical, I guess. But I liked how um, he was like drawing a map to where she went and she could, she was explaining things she saw. And like, there's like a theme throughout the movie of like the lighthouse and how when Laura was young, the lighthouse was still working. And so when uh, this, the medium was like in her medium trance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it would be called. I don't know. Um, I- trance you she was like trans. walking around the house and she was in the past and she's like i can see the light from the lighthouse and at the end when laura dies like the lighthouse is on so that's how the viewer is sort of like turned on to, well that and other things are how, yeah, how yeah. the viewer is like turned on to the fact that she's probably dead but i like so i like how she was like walking into the room and and you could hear the children being like help us we're sick and she opened the doors and she was like horrified at what she saw because all the children were sick, but they never showed us what she was seeing. And I thought that that was really creative. I like that too. And creepy. And then I'm slowly getting to my point. No, you're fine. So, and then when she's out of the trance and they're sort of reflecting and having like a, um, like a debriefing, afterwards you see her arm and her arm has all these like sores on it and she says to laura like those of us who are close to death can easily cross over and see like spirits and ghosts and so the obviously saying you know like simone could see the ghost of tomas and the other kids because 
he had HIV and he was like terminally ill and this woman has some sort of disease right. <laughs> that has that she's, you know, she's terminally ill as well. So my question for you is, so Laura takes a few pills before she starts like redecorating the house. And I think the scene is slightly ridiculous that she, she told Carlos, give me two days to say goodbye to this place and this house and everything that's happened. And then we can move on. And she spends a lot of time like washing the old bedding and putting the old beds together all by herself. And I was yeah. like, this seems like a ridiculous timeline for this. And I don't know why she like, and she did it because she was trying to get the kids to like visit her and show her where Simone was. So I understand her motivation, but it just seems so like such an unrealistic timeline and a lot of heavy, heavy lifting yeah, and extra work. But so she took a few of her, like, I don't know, anxiety pills or something, Xanax, I'm not sure. And then she was working. And then... Yeah, she seemed like she took a lot of them. Well, she took, like, some... And she then, took, like, five, at least, I think, or something. Like, before she started yeah, before working? She, okay, yeah. yeah. So she took a lot of them. She took quite a few, yeah. And then, and then she went through the day, and then, then she was able to see them when she started playing that game. So... Was she planning to kill herself before she even knew that Simone had died? Like, was she on the verge of death? Like, she was, was she already overdosing at that point? I was, I was thinking, as you were saying that, I was like, I have a, I had a feeling that I knew what your question was. Because um, then she does overdose. Yeah, that is a good question that, because she is searching for black, or is it, yeah, blackberries. And she is in the woods and is like, like has to like hold on yeah. to the tree like she's exhausted uh-huh and it could just be because she did a lot of work but now that you mentioned that and i've really actually never thought this before so you're kind of like you're kind of like well it I'm just like, occurred oh. to me as well so right um it with the medium's comment about people that are closer to death being able to see those spirits maybe she wasn't so much like initially planning on killing herself but the couple or whatever how many pills she took maybe was like a way to like halfway get there so she would be more perceptive so i don't i don't think she started out with the idea of killing herself i think that she didn't do that until she found um simone's body okay but I, I don't think that that theory is off at all. I think that that is totally possible that especially if the medium, I mean, the medium had said that like half an hour before, not mm-hmm. like in their time, but like in our time, uh, movie time. So it maybe makes sense that she like pushed herself to a certain point where she felt like she was going to collapse or whatever. She didn't, you know what I mean? Um, so it's kind of like yes yes <laughs> is my question is my answer is is yes i mean i think it's i think it's a great theory i think it's a very interesting theory and i think it's totally i think it's a total possibility but i don't think she started out with the intention of ending her life i think okay. that, that was purely done i think committing suicide was purely done because first of all she knew that it was her her actions yeah even though they were um what is that word indirect her indirect accidental like yeah totally accidental 
Simone's death. I keep wanting to call him Tomas. Me too. too. I, keep, like, I do too. Struggle like no. Um, so yeah. So she indirectly caused his death. It's not her fault, but it it also like. I mean, it, it was indirect, you know. So yeah, she wasn't it wasn't intentional, no, but it no. was her fault yeah, <laughs> in a weird. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, um, and but you know, I mean, the entire thing was an accident. And I like it. Survived. There's a real possibility that he could have been up there, like screaming, like "Let me out!" Well, yeah, know, like that's what he was him. doing. Like he woke her up from sleep by blowing the whistle. That's what woke her up. Oh right, right. And then she, he was banging on the door, and then he fell. He tripped or something, and. Right. I do want to talk about that really quick. I know yeah. I'm interrupting you, but since it's pertinent to right no, now, really, like I don't really have anything to say. The first time I saw the movie, I never saw that coming, and that's why I like that so much Me because too. the house is having like all this work done in the beginning of the movie because they're getting it ready to turn it into a school. And then the day of that little party, she can't find Simone, so she's walking around and she's like opening and she opens the closet mm -hmm. and these like big metal posts fall down that are obviously part of like the construction work that was going on that the workers just didn't hang home. So they're stowed in this closet and without even missing a beat. Oh, I thought they were maybe for like a play, like a swing set or something. Maybe they were metal posts anyway. Yeah. Uh, could have been, but just like discarded metal posts that were in a storage closet and without missing a beat, without being uh, even like, suspicious to the viewer she just sort of hoists them up and throws them into the closet against yeah. the wall in the back and then you find out that that's the secret door to Tomas's little house that Simone found and she stuck him in there and I think that that's like brilliant that oh, aspect of the movie is so brilliant and and when you find out that that's what happens it's such a cool surprise because I remember like never suspecting that in the slightest yeah. and so yeah the guilt's like you said of her knowing that she caused like she trapped him in there not knowing obviously right she did and then yeah he could have been found except he just had that tragic trip you yeah. know accident yeah and you know it was probably an old railing that just you know i mean i'm sure that there's moisture or well i guess it doesn't seem like there's really moisture down there because uh simone's body was pretty it was pretty like what is that word mummified yeah, yeah. It was pretty mummified it didn't like it didn't look like it was like a this is, this is gonna sound gross but i'm i whatever it didn't seem like a juicy decomposition you know what i mean like it seemed like just the moisture was like waked out of his body and yeah that's how it was so um because he still like he still looked like a person you know what i mean like, yeah and it had been he should have been skeletal by then depending on where he's his body was you know um but i i think that that is a brilliant scene too because as like what you said there i never saw that part coming and it's shocking and it's also so fucking heartbreaking <laughs> because it's yeah. like shit this could have been prevented right away like but, it's like you said about your parents like if something had happened to you you'd be like a street away like he was in the yeah. house the whole time i know and that's like oh i got goosebumps again like that is like <laughs> that is what this this movie is so sad and so i want to talk about when she does find his body so she goes downstairs first of all I when I saw that and like she opened it up, I would have been like, "Hell no, I ain't going." I know because they made it look extra spooky, just like it this. Did. It was dark. Like, you could see like the first three steps. Yeah, and it was, like pitch black. I would have been like, "I'm good." Nope, 
that's a no for me, dog. <laughs> you know, I just um, call it Simone. You're not there. Okay, bye. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things. I've been like, honey, no answer. Okay. Um, um, there's a lot of things that she did that I was like, mm, yeah, just chalk no. it up to like just another thing. Yeah. I mean, I guess when your child is missing and it, that's the only thing you care about, you probably don't, you're probably just not thinking about your own safety. Yeah. She already did see like a bunch of ghosts running around her house at that point. So maybe <laughs> nothing true. could scare her. That's true, that's true. I mean, she did have like one shut the door on her too. Yeah. So, yeah. um, yeah. So then she, she like goes down the stairs and she finds him and like, and her imagination is him like still being alive and like, she's cuddling him and then you can hear all these like noises and stuff and she's like close your eyes close your eyes keep them closed keep them closed and then her like opening up back her own eyes and realizing that all she's holding was a blanket was like devastating and 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 then it's like two seconds later she notices the railing that's broken and like her eyes go down and there's his body Mm -hmm. and it's just like he probably died of like a broken neck you know, or yeah. he hit his head really hard or something. And it was probably immediate, hopefully, you know, and it's just like, and I mean, how, how do you, how do you get over that? Like you don't. And I think that's why that it makes so much sense, so much sense as to why she's like, I can't live with knowing what I've done and knowing that my child died because of my actions even if they were indirect and to me it makes total sense that the next thing that she did was she killed herself you know yeah because all she said all i want to do is be with simone She's yeah like, that's all i want and i thought and that that line kind of like part partially bothers me and partially i understand because part of me is like she says that to her husband and i'm like what kind of a it's kind of a weird thing to say on one hand i think like okay you know, I, I, I understand, but at the same time, like your poor husband, you know, and then on, on a second, like we've talked about the guilt because the last thing, the last memory she had, memory she has with Simone is just this, this fight that they had. And then, and then to add to that guilt, the guilt of the fact that she, as we've talked about, inadvertently locked him in that area and so, yeah, I think just that crushing double guilt. Oh, yeah. And she just wanted more than anything for him to be okay. And and yeah. who wants to live with that? Or she didn't want to live with that crushing guilt. And, you know. Well, yeah, I, I, I didn't think it was so much of a weird line. I thought it made perfect sense to me. I think that that's something that I would say if I was in the same position. So, yeah, I mean, may, and that also makes me wonder did she intend to kill herself like if that's the line she said she didn't know he was dead but i think she did kind of know he was dead at that point because she figured that the ghost children knew where he was and what had happened to him and she wanted them to show her where simone was so when she said i just want to be with him was that like a pre uh premeditated like oh yeah give me two days wink wink but you know i won't be here when you come back to get me I don't know. I think that's a good question. I mean, think I think it's logical that she's so depressed that she's suicidal. Sure, big time. Um, like I definitely think that's totally possible. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, again, like the guilt enough 
even even without losing your child like the guilt enough like i mean it's just it it just would eat away at you and this is coming from a person who has was uh had a roman catholic grandmother or an italian roman catholic grandmother and my mom always says that any italian mother could rival a jewish mother in terms of guilt <laughs> And I can tell you, as a woman who was raised by Italian women, this is true. I feel guilty about literally everything. <laughs> um, I think I've told you this before, but there's a line in 30 Rock where um, Tracy is trying to find religion because he wants to, like, like make his him look better, like, to the media. And he's talking to Jack and he's like, well, Jack, what religion are you? And Jack goes, well, I'm Irish Catholic. And he's like, and the great thing about that is that you can do anything and God forgives you. And, um, and Tracy's like, great, cool. And he goes, but you will feel guilty about everything. And Tracy's like, you know what? I don't think this is a religion for me. I'm going to go. And, uh, and Tracy walks away and Jack is like holding his hands to his chest and he goes, I feel weirdly guilty about that. I think I've seen that episode. <laughs> so good. Every time, every time I see that, I'm like, I get that deep in my soul. <laughs> I understand that. So, um, so I, I think that there's a possibility that she could have been planning, like, I don't plan on actually seeing you, but I, I just don't think that was her initial, her initial thought. I think that her initial thought was probably, um, I need to figure out what happened and figuring out is through these yeah. children. Well, that's you know? why I thought, I think that line sticks out to me as like, it rose me the wrong way is because I think she could have said anything else. Like right. I need to find out what happened. I need to find him. But she said, I just want to be with him. Yeah. And it could just be creative. Like, you know, I mean, movies in movies like this, you know, obviously the movie up till now was meant to like trick us and point us in multiple directions. So it could just be a play on words like. Well, and it also might not actually be that way in Spanish. She could have been saying something else. That's true too. Yeah. 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 Like, or with different, yeah, slightly different meaning or like, something. And, and something like that could have a different meaning in a different language than it means to us. In the culture. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's so, a good point. I mean, I. I have to remind myself of, of things like that. Like when I watch um, movies that are, 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 you know, subtitled. Um, so like recently I, I, this was like, I watched it pretty much as, as soon as it came out, the squid, squid game. Um, but I watched it English dubbed and I normally never do that. Cause I like to hear it in the original language and I, I liked it, but it was one of those things where, I didn't love it. I didn't like, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching it, but I wouldn't say I was ever like super attached to any of the characters, but I think the biggest reason for that is, is cause it was dubbed. And I think if I had heard it in the original language, I would have been way more attached to the show. Mm -hmm. And I think that's interesting, but it's also true because like one of the characters is a very like obnoxious and annoying character. Um, and you're kind of on the fence of like you kind of are supposed to like her, but you kind of don't, you know. But she was super annoying and obnoxious in English, but I don't know how she would have been in Korean, you know. And so, but I always think of stuff like that where just because we as people who live in the United States 
you know, like we hear a certain saying and that means something to us does not mean that in Korea or in Spain or wherever that's going to mean the same thing, you know? Sure. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's kind of like, I get where you're coming from, but I also wonder, like, I wonder if that was what she really said in Spanish. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, So, yeah. So she finds, she finds a Simone's body and it's, it's just so, it's just so heartbreaking. And, and then seeing, you know, and then taking all those pills and a lot, one of the things that I couldn't stop thinking about was, poor Carlos like he comes back for his wife and he finds her dead yeah with her the dead their dead child like yeah and he doesn't even get any answers like wait a second where was this body so yeah I mean and I like so like he now has to move on with the fact that his wife is now dead at least his child was found but he doesn't know fucking how his child got found. Yeah, like, you know? like a lot of stuff happened in the house, and he's just, yeah, I know. And he seemed, that part of the movie actually really bugged me because he, I mean, the next we see Carlos, it's obviously some time has passed because there's like a grave on the property with her and uh, Simone and the other children's names on it. And then he walks into the nursery where she, or the, not the nursery. It's like the the room where all the children slept, and where she killed herself. And and he, I think you could call it a nursery. Okay, he sees his like saint necklace that he gave her for like mm-hmm. protection, like laying in a crack in the floorboard. And he kind of like smiles. And I'm like, he just seemed too calm and okay about That's everything that had happened. Too. And and I, on one hand, yeah, it's it's like bucking the trend. You know, like he's somehow moving on with his life but on the other hand it's like no just like you said like a lot happened in the house and now he just he's just left with the wreckage of the aftermath of oh yeah what where the heck was the kid and you know just so yeah i mean unless you know she left the basement door and open. she actually i think she did because she just like walked out with him in her arms and so maybe they put it together yeah. you know but either way like I just don't think that'd be your first thought because you search the entire house over and over and over again, you know, and you'd be like, why is this door open? Like, I, I don't know, like, would I just close it or would I go down and look? You know what I mean? Oh, so, I would go down and look if you, uh, yeah, if you if, were Carlos. It, well, if someone in my family was dead and holding uh, the decomposed dead body of someone else in my family, I, I don't think I would leave any inch of the house on yeah discovered you make, you make a good point you, yeah because yeah, i'd want answers oh for sure and yeah. there'd be police and everything in there and the police would be like well our assumption is somebody fell down probably your son fell down this railing you know the railing broke he fell your wife ended up finding this secret door he wouldn't know that she accidentally blocked it but right, you right, know right. they would probably say something like the door was accidentally blocked by these metal things I guess, yeah, if it was left open, I guess he could maybe, they could maybe deduce something, but he just seemed too calm and happy about it. I thought so too. And I didn't really get why she took off the Saint necklace. It seemed like, like she just, she wasn't like, it wasn't like an anger. It was just kind of just like, nope, don't want this anymore. You know what I mean? Like the way she, cause she, 
she like grabbed it off her neck and it broke you know i mean she wasn't like she wasn't like i'm gonna take this off and she was just like ripped did you ever see the movie with nicole kidman i think it's called the others um i've seen i do know what it's about and i've seen like enough of it you know yeah i mean i I don't think it's like a great movie but i really liked the twist and the Mm. concept that they're the ghosts wait so spoiler alert (laughs) um for anybody so something that i really like about the end of this movie is now there's this house is like haunted by this woman and these children charges and i think that that would have been an awesome story oh yeah like start the movie at the very end and show us the hauntings of this house but um that would be like something that would be like the best haunted house to live in because it's like children no house is the best haunted house i'm just saying if you have to if you have to live in a haunted house would you rather live in a haunted house with a woman who loves all these kids and is taking care of them or would you rather live in a haunted house with someone who died violently and is super aggressive wants to kill you i wouldn't rather live in any haunted house but no i know what you're saying i know what you're saying but like i'm just saying like they're not gonna they're not like vengeful they're yeah like you're you're gonna be like oh that was probably so and so Mm -hmm. you know alicia that was alicia she just (laughs) likes the ball and she likes to toss it and you're like whatever it's a little ghostly hey alicia what's going on girl (laughs) you know like gotta go make my tea or whatever girl Um, what's up well if he said it was for protection maybe she felt like if she ripped it off then she'd be able to properly kill herself you know it would keep her alive otherwise or something maybe that's that could be i mean yeah it's it's definitely an interesting and very sad film yeah so would you recommend it i would i think it's a great i think it's as far as ghost films go i think it is one of the best i think like it's a fantastic film it's really well done um it again the jump scares for what the jump scares are again like you know quote uh they're all there for a reason nothing is is there just to scare you just to put you off and and most importantly is that it it tells a story a very it's it's a it's a well-told story about a woman who is just experiencing an insane insane amount of grief and is grief is and her actions do not necessarily dictate or, or or show that she's thinking logically she's just thinking with the part of her brain that is just like that animal grieving like i can't even look past this type of you know just awful feeling you know so um yeah i definitely would and i i have before and i would again (laughs) so what about you yes i would recommend it i i think it's a very creative and well done story overall i think it's a very classy scary movie and i totally agree with you that's one of the best ghost stories yeah and there it's just um twists and turns in it and very realistic things Mm -hmm. happening for it being a supernatural movie and if you can ignore the weird plot hole that we talked about which is just like forever bouncing around in my head (laughs) i think i just i do think it's it's just a really well done movie and uh, i would recommend it and it it spooked me you know i I think it's spooky and so yeah now that we've spoiled the whole thing yeah (laughs) i would totally recommend it the first time i saw this 
Um, it definitely put me on the edge of my seat. And it did not scare me this time, but again, I've just seen it so many times, but it's, it does not make it any, it, it, it does not take away from how great the film is, is what I'm saying. Yeah. So you can follow us on Instagram at Watchers and Movies and at, at yeah, Facebook at Watchers and Movies. We also have another Instagram called the Watchers Who Find Things. And guys, we are on a ton of different, um, apps like itunes and spotify and subscribe to us please and tell your friends about us you know give us five stars because that's how we get noticed please just you know we we love doing this and we just want to get to you know we want a big old audience of people that you know are also listeners and lovers of movies and watchers of movies so please do that and if you like our stuff and you want us to review something you go to iTunes and you give us five stars and you go, hey, I want you to review this movie. It's called whatever. It's, I don't know if there's a movie called whatever, but it's possible. It's always possible. And we will put it to the top of our list. We have a couple more that we're doing uh, before then. So it probably won't be for like a month-ish, a little bit more than a month, but we will put your stuff to the top of our list. And if you don't want to do that or you don't have iTunes, you can just email us at watchersmovies at gmail.com. And if you want to DM us or if you want to email us, like, just do it. <laughs> you know, we love to hear from you guys. I always respond. Um, and it's just really fun to hear from, you know, we love to hear your thoughts. Seriously. Like, we're encouraging it. Please do it. I always show Sam. It's great. And it's it just really, like, it really brings a smile to our faces and it really brightens our day it's it's like a very like oh my gosh it's so exciting <laughs> so i get all like Ooh. uh and thank you so much to mike for our theme music yes find him on twitter at the mike show 42 thank you mike his name is mike myers yep thank you mike and i think that's it that's it so thank you guys so much for listening to our show bye bye <laughs>